You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Presented by Pella Windows, Roofmax, Wagner Sprayers, and the Angie App. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards and shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hope you guys are enjoying this beautiful summer day. If you've got a project you'd like to take on, maybe a to-do to get done around your house, we would sure like to help. You can get that help by reaching out to us at moneypit.com slash ask or calling us at one 888 Money Pit. Coming up on today's show, now that we've hit the dog days of summer, backyard pools are more popular than ever. But if you've got a pool and you've got kids, there are six things you need to do to make sure they stay safe. We'll share the super important to-do list just ahead. And it's a common complaint among homeowners out there. For good reason, nobody likes water that is smelly, smells like rotten eggs, just seems yucky. So we are going to share what causes this and really the simple cure to help you return the freshness to your H2O. And summer can be very rough on roofs. The heat dries out the shingles. That causes them to crack while the summer storms test the limits of their ability to keep your home free from leaks, right? Well, we're going to share tips on how to inspect your roof and head off these kinds of problems. And if you've got a big painting project on your to-do list this summer, we've got a powerful paint sprayer to give away to one lucky listener on today's show. Yep, this is amazing. It's the Wagner Titan Control Max 1700. It's worth 379 bucks. It's going out to one listener drawn at random. You know when it's called Titan, it's got to be big, right? So reach out with your questions at one eight 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 Money Pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Heading over to Oklahoma right now to talk to Sheila about a kitchen do-over. How can we help you paint those countertops? I recently, my husband and I um, remodeled our kitchen, and we refinished our cabinets, and we they had we had some recess lighting done, and we didn't have enough money for our counters. So I've been looking at online some stuff about repainting your countertops, yeah, wow. and I, I wanted to know your opinion about it, or if you'd heard um, anyone doing that, or what you what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, the countertop paints have been out for probably uh, five or eight years now, and they seem to do very very well. I know Rustoleum has an extensive line of countertop paints out. Uh, that are available in many, many colors. So I think it is a good option. I think it'll buy you a little bit of time on those countertops so that you can avoid having to replace them. And you'll have the opportunity to paint either a solid color or they have countertop paints now that kind of look like stone countertops. They look like granite and, and other types of natural materials. So I think they're a very good option, and I would encourage you to pursue it. Yeah, I actually um, found a company online that um, sells them uh, their product locally at one of our wallpaper stores and have actually purchased 
the items. I just haven't started the project yet. What you might want to do is try to get your hands on a piece of laminate, and you can go to a home center and buy like a really small piece of laminate, like a scrap. And this way you can practice a little bit before you actually get it on your countertop. Do, do you know about the how the length of time it's and how durable it is as far as lasting? It's not as durable as the laminate, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thank you, Tom, for taking my call. You're welcome, Sheila. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're heading over to Tennessee where Steve wants to talk about water heating. How can we help you? My water heater seems to be going out. It's about five or six years old. And I've been hearing commercials on your show about tankless water heaters and other forms of like water heating solutions. And I was just wondering, is that you know, costly, or you know, is that a better way to go than putting another tank in? Okay, so you say the water heater's going out. Is this a gas water heater? It's electric. It's electric, and it's going out. So what's happening to it? It's leaking. Oh, it's leaking at five or six years? Really? That's just plain bad luck, Steve. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, all right, well, let me ask you this question. How, how long are you planning on staying in your current house? Is, is, this, is this the house for a while? Oh, yeah, it's forever house, hopefully. Generally, I would say I wouldn't hesitate to install a tankless water heater, except, and this is a big except, Tankless water heaters that are powered by electricity don't work that well. Um, they don't save you that much money. If you have, if you have uh, the ability to, to power it with propane, for example, then it's more realistic. But if you're gonna, planning on powering it with electricity, then it's not. So in that case, your options are to replace it with a standard tanked electric water heater or... You can use a real new type of electric water heater called a heat pump water heater. Heat pump water heaters are more expensive, but they're but they're much 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 more efficient than a standard electric water heater. Are those costly? Yeah, they're more costly than a standard water heater. You know, you're you're probably looking at maybe around fifteen hundred bucks for one plus installation. So they're much more expensive, but they're far more efficient. That's what I'll do then. I thank you for answering my question. Sorry to hear about that leak, uh, and hope we've helped you get back on track. Priscilla in Massachusetts is on the line. And while we all love birdhouses, guess who else likes them? Squirrels. Let's help her keep them out. What can we do for you today? They've chewed away at the holes of it so that they actually have made it, uh, the holes bigger. And because of that, the birds are not going in there because the squirrel can go in there. So I've already tried PVC piping because I figured that's something I can put in there, insert it, and just in the hole and it's not too big, kind of narrow. But um, I can't find one that fits. I mean, most of the solutions for bird feeders or bird houses are, are really in two categories. One, they make it rather unpleasant for the squirrel to be able to get up that high with things like cones or plastic bottles or slippery pipes or or ducks or slinkies or things like that that slide around and make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Or simply move it completely away from where squirrels can get to it. So, for example, if you were to string a wire between two trees and not have overhanging branches above, the squirrels would never be able to get to that birdhouse. Could I have, do you know of something I can insert in the hole, though? Right, but if you insert it in the hole, the squirrels are still going to hang out in that birdhouse, and they might try to chew their, 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 their way in via another area. Right. So that's why I'm saying that I, I would not focus on reinforcing the birdhouse as much as I would focus on moving it to an area that's less, less likely to be attacked by squirrels. Priscilla, thanks so much for calling us at 188 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. 
Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, you want to make our day? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be jumping for joy. Plus, you guys, your feedback helps us make the show even better for you. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Well, if you've got big painting plans this summer, we have got a serious paint sprayer to give away that will help you get those projects done. It's the Titan Control Max 1700 Paint Sprayer by Wagner. It's great for handymen and general contractors and experienced homeowners. It's going to help you tackle those large projects. It produces 55% less overspray and gets that paint on three times faster than a Roller Plus. It pulls paint directly from either a one or five gallon paint container and it's got a 30 foot hose. It's worth 379 bucks. Now, if you'd like to win it, here's what you got to do. You got to pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEYPIT with your home improvement question, or you can go to moneypit.com slash ask and post your question by clicking the blue microphone button. And we're going to choose one listener from today's show and send out that paint sprayer to them. It could be you if you make that call or you go to our site at moneypit.com slash ask. Now we've got Cody in Texas who's got a safety question. The dryer vent has become disconnected. Yes, Cody, this is dangerous. Hey, uh, so I was up in the attic the other day, and uh, I saw some of the insulation blowing. Uh, the dryer was running at the time. And I walked over there, and I could feel the uh, the air from the dryer blowing in from between the walls, you know. And uh, that, that, that kind of concerned me. It seems to me like it's not connected within the wall, and it, it's, it's blowing out. Is, I'm wondering, is that a big deal? Uh, do I need to go in the wall and, and replace that, or is it going to be fine the way it is? No, it's not fine at all the way it is for two reasons. Number one, it's a fire hazard because all that dust is being trapped inside that wall cavity. That's a major fire hazard. And secondly, all of that moisture from your wet clothes is being blown up into the attic and that insulation. And once it makes the insulation damp, the insulation does not work. If you even add a minor amount of moisture to insulation, it loses about a third of its R value. So you want to figure out what went wrong and get it fixed. It can vent up into the attic, but it has to continue through the attic uh, and out to an exterior wall or out to the roof or out to a soffit. So you need to figure out why it disconnected, what happened, and get it fixed in the easiest way possible. But get that dryer vent pointed outside as quickly as you can. Okay, I'll do that. There's some, uh, there's some cabinets hanging above the dryer, so I guess... I need to pull those off and cut into the sheetrock to to try to see where the disconnect is. Well, maybe. Why don't you just pull the dryer out to begin with, stick a light in that duct, and see if it tells you anything, and then go from there. Try to minimize the exploratory surgery, Cody. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll do that. I appreciate it. The more you cut open, the more you got to fix, man. We've got June on the line who's dealing with some concrete stains. Why don't you tell us about it? How do you get stains off of concrete, like from a metal bench on the porch, and also on the garage floor from what the car has deposited. 
So, June, the fact that concrete is a, is a porous product, it's a masonry product, makes it very difficult to lift stains, especially stains that have taken years to develop. What you could do to see if you could lighten up some of these areas you're concerned about is you could create a paste of trisodium phosphate, which is a cleaning product you'll find in most paint stores or home centers or hardware stores. Mix it up into a paste and put it over the stain. Let it sit there for an hour or two and then rinse it off and see what happens. It may brighten up that area, and you can sort of work it from there to see how clean you can get it. A much better idea, though, would be to consider one of the many good quality epoxy-based concrete paint products that are out there. So, for example, I used a product that's made by Dyche Coatings, which is a longtime sponsor of the show to do my basement, and it really came out nicely because uh, with this particular product, you mix two parts, like a part A and a part B, and you wait the allotted time, and then you apply the paint, and then within a couple of hours, it is really solid, and no more stains, no more ugly floors. So I was able to cover a really old floor by doing that. And these products can work inside, they can work outside, so they can work in your garage, they can work on your walks. To try to get it clean without painting it, I think you're going to find it's definitely going to be a challenge. Well, if you've got a pool and you've got kids, there are six things that you need to be doing to make sure that they're safe. You know, tragically, there are about 300 drowning deaths of children younger than five each year in swimming pools, and a lapse in parental supervision is responsible for those accidents almost 70% of the time. Well, guys, well, there's no substitute for watching the kids yourselves. The best backup is a pool safety approach called Layers of Protection, in which you provide several layers of backup as a supplement to parental supervision. So here's where to start, and that is with pool fences. Now, when properly designed and installed, pool fences are by far the most effective deterrent against drowning. Now, they're not like usual fences. First of all, they have to be four-sided, completely surrounding the pool. They have to have a height of at least four feet. You want to avoid chain-link fences, which can be easy for kids to climb, and you need to make sure the fence posts are spaced not more than four inches apart so it's hard for them to get a toehold. And about that chain link, I would point out that there is also a type of chain link called non-climbable where the squares are much smaller. Those are okay, but the regular ones where the squares are about two inches wide, not so much. Now, the weakest link in all pool fencing is the gate, and there are some special requirements for that. The gates have to be self-closing. They have to be self-latching. So they'll automatically slam shut and lock if they're left open. And the gate latches need to be mounted at least 54 inches off the ground and have child-proof release mechanisms. I mean, some of those pool gates are adult-proof as well. I find that I have a hard time opening many of them. So it's definitely important, especially with kids around. Now, next we're going to talk about pool covers. And I mean, next to the pool fence, pool covers provide the maximum amount of protection. Now, your best option is an automatic pool cover, which can be used between swims rather than only at the end of the season. And these covers are going to be motor-driven, and then with the flick of a switch, it automatically creeps across the pool to seal out access to the water. Now, pool, door, fence alarms, these are things that you should have. There are high-tech advances in pool alarms that are a must for every home with a pool. It's best if you're using a combination of the alarms. So a door alarm, this way if somebody opens the door to the pool area, you get a ding in the house. A fence alarm, same thing, and the pool alarm. And the pool alarms are generally if there's a break in the water. So if somebody jumps in, you're going to get notified. Absolutely. So I think if you think of all of these as layers, you can start to understand how they all protect the kids. You know, if they happen to get through a fence gate that was open, but now we have pool alarms that may 
prevent a tragedy. So you want to have all of these layers in place in addition to your own supervision to keep kids safe this summer. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Rob in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Calling to get your guys' opinions on the, uh, I'm having my deck, uh, partially repaired, and it's got some cedar trim and uh, cedar boards that have gone bad. So they're going to be replaced. So they're going to look newer compared to the rest of the deck. I was looking into getting one of the epoxy composite-type deck uh, coating systems. Uh, Rust-Oleum Restore is one brand. Bayer makes one, too. I'm just curious what you guys think about these products and are they worth it? How many decking boards are uh, deteriorated, Rob? Well, uh, it's... uh, Majority of the steps, it's a cedar deck with a, a green treated uh, wood, you know, uh, underneath baseboard mm-hmm. support. Uh, the cedar is just dying out. I mean, it's about seven years old. Uh, the railings are going bad, too, so they're looking at replacing a lot of the boards on the steps of the railing, but the, up to the main platform and the main boards here, uh, are doing fine. So it's mainly the, mm-hmm. the, the steps up. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider, you know, completely sealing in all of that cedar with a product like that. Here's what I would do. First of all, the deck boards that are cracked or checked or deteriorated, one thing to try is to flip them over because the underside of those deck boards is usually as good as the day it went down, even though it's cracked on top. The side that was not exposed to the sun is usually in pretty good condition. So you try to do that as much as you can. For ones that are really bad, just have to be replaced. Just replace those with new cedar decking boards. And yes, it's not going to match. And then once all the repair has been done, then you want to use a deck washing product like the one that makes that Flood Wood Care makes. You, you run a deck wash across everything. And then you want to hit it with at least two coats of solid 
stain. So not paint, but solid stain. Not semi-transparent, not transparent, but solid color stain. And a good quality, solid color strain, that's going to look all the same. It's going to maintain its wood quality. You'll see the grain through the stain. Um, and it'll look perfect. So I don't think you need to go with some sort of really thick, super thick coating right now. I think you just need to do some basic repairs. Okay. What stains would you recommend then? Good quality stain. So, yeah, Benjamin Moore, Sherwin-Williams, a good quality stain like that. All right. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Rob. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jan's going to need some help fixing up a bathtub. There's some chips happening. Tell us what's going on at your Money Pit. What is the best remedy with chipping in my fiberglass bathtub shower unit as opposed to replacing the whole thing? You know, Jan, if you head online, there's actually some tub and tile repair kits that you can get that are specifically made for fiberglass usage. And it's two parts. You mix it together. It comes in a variety of colors. So you'll be able to find something that works with what you have at home. And then I think the way that you would best achieve this sort of filling in of your chips is to do small layers, let it dry, add another. Definitely follow the manufacturer's instructions for best application. But I think that's probably the best, most cost-effective way that you can the life of this fiberglass tub and totally do it yourself. You can find some kits on Amazon, at the home centers, but make sure it's for fiberglass. Barbara in South Dakota is on the line and having a problem with a renovated bathroom at her money pit. What's going on? We had our bathroom remodeled about three years ago and maybe six months after we noticed that the tiles were kind of shifting a little bit when we'd walk in the most prominent places. And then, uh, Pretty soon the grout started coming out, and I was wondering, do we have to replace all of our tiles, or is there something we can put in there that would move with the grout or, or with the tiles? It's a heated floor. How is it heated, Barbara? Hydronic heat? Is it hot water heat under the floor, or is it electric heat? What kind of heat is it? It's electric heat. No, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, I mean, this was a this was a mistake that was made in the installation. Where that mistake was made, it's hard for us to tell. But there's no way that those tiles should be loosening up. And unfortunately, there's no really easy fix for this. The reason the grout is is breaking up is because the tiles are loose. And as the tile loosens, the grout doesn't really have any structural integrity. Right, but isn't that the result of an uneven subfloor? Not always. And even if it was an uneven subfloor, Leslie... If these were installed right, they would be. They, there would be enough adhesive or base under them to stop them from wiggling. I think it's the base underneath that's not right. Yeah, so I guess you have two options, Barbara, one of which is for you to go ahead and do what you may already be doing, which is repairing them as you go. If you find that you have a loose tile, if it's loose enough to come up, you're just simply going to add some additional floor adhesive and press it back down again. Or you have to remove them, the whole floor, and replace them. But, of course, that's a big job because you'd have to also – you can't really save the, the heating coils that are underneath. You'll probably end up having to replace those as well. It's really hard when you have a bad tile job, especially one that's over heating coils like that, to do anything short of replace it. It does not lend itself well to repair. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Sorry. I wish we had better news, Barbara, but thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. And that's why we call the show The Money Pit. <laughs> well, nobody wants to drink or cook or bathe with smelly, rotten egg water. And this tends to be a pretty common complaint among homeowners. So, Tom, what's going on here? Well, let's talk about what that smell actually is. It's really sulfur. 
it rears its stinky head most often in houses that are located on a groundwater supply. That groundwater can pick up hydrogen sulfide, which is actually a naturally occurring gas. And that hydrogen sulfide gets absorbed into the water and comes into the house. It smells like rotten eggs, but it's not dangerous or harmful to your health. It is just very, very annoying. All right. So if you have it, how do you get rid of it? Well, first do this quick test. If its smell seems to be coming from both hot and cold water, then you want to call a well contractor because they'll install a filter that minimizes the sulfur that reaches your house. But more often, though, the smell comes predominantly from hot water. Now, when that happens, you need to change out the sacrificial anode rod, which is inside your hot water heater tank. Now, it's called a sacrificial rod for a reason because the way it works is these rods are made of magnesium, which the hydrogen sulfide attacks, releasing that rotten egg smell and eating away at the rod at the same time. So the solution is to simply replace the magnesium rod with an aluminum sacrificial anode rod, which is a lot more impervious or resistant to hydrogen sulfite, and they get the job done without the risk of so much sulfur adhering to them and being released into your home. These rods cost about 50 bucks. They can be found at any plumbing supply location. It's not a basic DIY project to do this, but it's not terribly hard either, or just call in a pro because it's a lot cheaper than replacing the entire water heater. We've got Ted on the line who's dealing with some crumbly foundation walls. Tell us what's happening. A cinder block wall in my basement. As far as I can tell, the basement is fairly dry. It's been painted with a heavy waterproof paint on the center block, but parts of it, in some places, it's like it's crumbling. Not not real deep in the center block, but maybe, um, I don't know, half inch or three quarters of inch, something like that. It, you can just brush it off. It's flaking and it's kind of bubbling out. It looks like blisters or something. You know, I can't figure out why it's doing that. So, Ted, you say that your basement doesn't have a moisture problem, but I can tell you it most certainly does. Because what you are describing, my friend, are mineral salt deposits. And the way they form is because you get water that gets soaked into those walls. So it's coming in from the outside, probably because it's being held against the foundation walls. You don't have enough slope on your yard or your downspouts are overflowing. And then it hits the concrete walls and it gets absorbed in. It finds its way to the inside of your basement and then evaporates. But what happens is it leaves behind the mineral salts that are from the soil. So that white, crusty, crumbly stuff is just that. It's mineral salts. And you need to address the moisture issue first by improving the grading and the drainage at the foundation perimeter. And then in terms of those salts, you can brush those away. If you mix up some white vinegar and water, they'll literally melt away. And once that is completely clean and you've dealt with the source of it, which is moisture coming in from the outside, then and only then can you repaint those walls. And that should do it once and for all. Well, guys, what are you working on this summer season? Is one of your projects a super big painting plan? Well, if it is, we've got a serious paint sprayer to give away that's going to help with those projects. We've got up for grabs the Titan Control Max 1700 Paint Sprayer by Wagner. Now, it's great for everybody, handyman, pros, homeowners, you name it. It's a great tool to work with. And I love that the high-efficiency airless technology means that I'm going to have 55% less overspray, and it's going to go on three times faster than a roller, so it's going to be less messy. I'm going to get more use out of the product I have without making that mess again, which, come on, guys, when you're painting, it can happen, but not with the Titan Control Max. It's a great prize. It's worth 379 bucks, but it can be yours if you call in. 
That's right. The Titan Control Max 1700 paint sprayer is going on to one very lucky listener. Drawn at random. Make that you call us with your home improvement question. Yes, you have to have a question to get into the drawing. Call us now at one eight 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 Money Pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Now I've got Nancy in Arkansas on the line with a painting question. How can we help you? On behalf of my mom, and she has an older home, and there, she has like a lot of like, she has a popcorn ceiling, and she has a lot of like cobwebs and stuff. And I'm just wondering, like, what would be the best way of removing those to eliminate as much? you know, debris falling in the carpet and that sort of thing, and but, you know, to give it a fresh look. Well, I think with the popcorn ceiling, you know, number one, you're fighting the texture, so everything kind of wants to get stuck up there. So first off is I would start with one of those, like, Swiffers that look like a feather duster just to get all of that dust and that the cobwebs down so that you've got a clean surface. And if that looks okay, then you might want to stop there. You can't really clean a popcorn ceiling because the way you remove a popcorn ceiling is to spray it with water and then you scrape it off. So if you try to clean it with any sort of cleanser or moisture, you're going to start to disintegrate the popcorn and make that come off if it's truly a popcorn ceiling and not like a textured stucco or something like that. So I think once you get the spider webs and things off of it, you might be better off just painting it and giving it a fresh coat to just, you know, sort of freshen up the ceiling space a little bit. But if you do decide to paint the popcorn ceiling, you have to get a very specialized roller. It looks like a um, it's a foam roller that has like a spiral cut to it. And that will open up to sort of accommodate the popcorn ceiling texture. If you use a regular roller, it's going to paint it and then pull the texture off. So you have to be careful in your application. But that'll do a great job of freshening it up. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, summer can be a rough season on roofs. You know, the heat dries out the shingles, causing them to crack. And then summer storms are going to test the limits of their ability to actually keep your home free from leaks. That's why now is a perfect time for a roof inspection. We're going to share how to do just that in today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. So first up, using a pro to inspect your roof once a year is really the best way to spot problems early. However, there are plenty of things that you can do yourself to identify the early signs of potential leaks. Yeah, you want to start inside by checking the ceiling on the upper floors for any stains or any other signs of leaks. You want to pay special attention to the ceilings above bathrooms and kitchens. Plumbing vents pass through the roof above these rooms and often will break down, causing leaks. You also want to check for leaks above fireplaces, which is another spot loose flashing can allow rain to seep in. Now next, head outside and take a look at your roof from the ground. It's helpful to use binoculars or even a camera that's got a zoom lens and look for any loose or missing shingles as well as any loose flashing, which is very common around chimneys, around pipes, or where walls and roofs come together. And if you spot any problem areas, it's a lot easier to get those minor problems fixed now before they become major leaks later. And that's today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. A RoofMax treatment restores flexibility and waterproofing protection of aging asphalt shingle roofs, extending their life by as much as 15 years. RoofMax treatments come with a five-year flexibility guarantee and can be purchased through a nationwide network of factory-trained and certified dealers who also apply the treatment. You can learn more at RoofMax.com. That's R-O-O-F-M-A-X-X.com. Brian, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I've got a uh, problem with our septic system, and uh, our septic system zigzags back and forth in the backyard, 
And then where the end of it is, there's a sinkhole developing. How old is this septic system? Has it ever been inspected or cleaned? Uh, we've cleaned it twice. It's just my wife and I. This thing I noticed started developing kind of right after we moved into the house. Our house is about 20 years old. Because I wonder if the, if you say this is towards the end of the distribution field, I wonder if the field is not absorbing water like it should, absorbing the effluent as it should. And most of it is sort of running towards the end of the pipe like it's a long drain. And as a result, it's causing erosion in that area. Um, I think that probably the first thing I would do is is have a septic inspection done with an examination of the field to check the percolation of it. Because if it's not percolating, if it's not draining properly, you could be spilling a lot of effluent uh, into the ground unknowingly uh, without it having a chance to really soak properly back into the soil. I think what we're hearing here is a potential failure of your septic field uh, more than a problem with a sinkhole. I suspect that this is erosion that you're seeing. Okay, it's not just a matter of dumping a bunch of dirt in there and covering it up. No, I mean that 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 would fill it up again, but I'm I'm afraid it would probably wash out again. So that that's kind of what I would lean to is is having that field inspected and just getting a sense of listen. You want to find out now. I mean, you don't want this thing to to fail at the least opportune time. And if you find out early, at least you know you can plan a replacement if you have to. Brian, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Zay wrote in to Team Money Pit and says, we've been living in a condo built in the 70s for about a year and have significant rainwater leaks throughout the kitchen window on the first floor in the recent few months. What should I do or check for? You know, first thing, Leslie, that comes to mind is Zay says this is a condo. And if it's a condo, you're typically not responsible to keep the building watertight from the exterior. So window leaks, siding leaks, roof leaks should all be paid for by the association, which is funded by your collective condominium dues. So that's the first place I would start because you certainly don't want to pay for a repair if you're already paying for it through your maintenance fees. Secondly, if you do want to try to do some investigation on your own, and this is a safe thing to do, by safe I mean like it's the first floor and you can easily access all this stuff, one of the things that we do sometimes to, to identify a tricky leak is we use a garden hose and we will start low on, in this case, a window by running some water, not like full blast, but just a gentle stream over the bottom of that window and see if we can, in essence, make it leak. So if it doesn't leak then, we're going to work our way up higher, and we're going to make sure we're, we're hitting the sides of the window all the way up to the point where if we still don't have any leaks, the top of the window. Because you could have a failure, for example, on the window flashing, which is at the top, and that could let water get in a channel and just shoot right down the inside of the window and then show up inside your house. So it doesn't always leak exactly where the water's coming in. Sometimes it leaks somewhere else and it runs down there. And that's a way to do that. All right. Next up, we've got a question here from Phil who says, we have a 40-year-old two-story home in North Carolina, and we're about to have the polybutylene piping replaced with PEX. Our walls will be cut open for this project. And I'm wondering what else we might want to do while the walls are opened up. That's a really interesting question, Phil. Yeah, because this doesn't happen very often. No, I mean, and I bet you it even doesn't happen a lot with people who are doing polybutylene piping replacements because that's a piping that has some major problems associated with it. So it's probably, Phil's just probably getting around to it now because of the expense. But listen, um, I think it's a good question. Two things come to mind. And Leslie, you can let me know if you think of anything else. First, for the exterior walls, it's the opportunity, I think, to improve insulation because most homes don't have enough. And if the insulation at 40 years old may have settled, it could be sort of squished. And if that's the case, it's not doing a very good job. So if you have the access, I would beef up the insulation. And the other thing to think about is what things that you might want to add 
or improve to make the space nicer, like, say, adding more electrical outlets or adding switches or lights. Or maybe you've always wanted a pot filler faucet over your range, and now that you've got the wall opened up to get to the pipes, you can run a little short piece of piping additionally to a pot filler faucet. It's that sort of thing that, you know, in a normal course of events, you wouldn't want to tear open a wall to do that. But since it's already open, what else can we do to make the place a little more comfortable and more convenient and a little nicer for us? Oh, my goodness. I think for me, if I had the chance to change from plaster to all drywall, I think I'd go for it. That would be enough of a change. (laughs) I'm going to go for it. I mean, we live in a super old house, as you know, Tom, and the plaster is just hanging on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, plaster definitely has a life expectancy, and uh, based on the age of your house, it has far surpassed that. So what happens is it's loose where it attaches to the walls and then starts to crack. And even when you repair those cracks, they seem to come back and back and back. It's like Groundhog Day. You know, it just, just repeats itself over and over and over again. So I could see that. But you know what? An easier way to deal with that, if you weren't tearing the walls open, is to put a second layer of drywall over the plaster. It's far less messy. I've done it both ways, and that's the way I decided it was best. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on a beautiful summer weekend. We hope you guys are enjoying the weather in your part of the country. If you've got questions about projects that you'd like to do, you can reach us 24-7 at 888 Money Pit or by going to moneypit.com slash ask. Until next time, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money